<laughs> in literally just a matter of days, like two days, it's the NBA draft. It is literally one week since the Suns lost the NBA finals. And guess what? We're already talking about the NBA draft. So this is fantastic. This is a good way to kind of exercise the demons to move on from everything that we felt from last year, compartmentalize it, put it away, deal with that depression in about 20 years. Uh, but until then, you know, we got a lot to, to look forward to and a lot to talk about. So as I bring in Matthew, I got to ask you, are you depressed now? Or are you excited because we're talking NBA draft already? No, I'm never depressed about the Suns. Mostly it's just like an imbalance with my brain chemical stuff mm. like that. But that's about it. I'm very excited for this. Today, what did Chris Paul post something about getting back to work? Jay Crowder's already said that. But the most exciting thing is we might have a new Suns member here quickly in a couple of days. And uh, it's going to be very, very random to who they select. So I'm excited to get like as much information as we can today with Brandon. Yeah, it's going to be a fun podcast for those of you who are watching along live. We appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up button. Please subscribe if you're here. And if you're listening along on the Dry Heat Podcast Network, uh, subscribe there as well. Throw us one of those five-star reviews. Give us one of those uh, nice little kind of type in your in your thoughts and your comments, and we'll read it right here on the show. Uh, but that's what this is about. This is about looking forward, looking and and trying to understand what is available for the Suns to pick at pick number 29. You know, this isn't a lottery year. For the first time in a long time, not a lot of the guys that we're going to be discussing today possess numerous tools that are that make them available at the top of the lottery. We're at the back end of that first round, so it's going to be really interesting to navigate a lot of these different prospects and see where they ultimately could land, preferably in Phoenix, uh, based on some of the insight that we're going to get from, you know, the guy who I like to call the bright side of the sun's Kevin O'Connor, because he knows his draft stuff. Uh, Brandon, AKA Zona hoops. I mean, he does mm -hmm. a fantastic job. He's on with Brendan clean all the time on the locked on uh, sun's podcast. So a, a fantastic resource to talk about relative to the NBA draft. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And right when you said that, I was thinking the same exact thing about this guy. So I'm very excited for this pod. Yes. Yeah, so again, we'll bring him on momentarily, but you know, Jamsters, a reminder, you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that fun stuff. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. I'm Matthew Lissy. And this is a reminder. I'm just going to get this out of the way now. The basketball season has come to an end, but the anticipation for next season is just beginning with the draft, which is on Thursday. So whether your team has the first pick or the last, the last pick, DraftKings is bringing you excitement. And it's going to be via the way that they're doing their free-to-enter draft pool this Thursday with $10,000 up for grabs. DraftKings, is they have these free-to-play pools. They're easy to enter. You just download their DraftKings app. You go to pools, and you choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen on draft night and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is actually going to be hosting a draft night-specific pool with questions ranging from who will be picked before whom all the way to who do you think a trade will be or what team is going to ha have the most trades in the first round DraftKings safe secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience download the DraftKings app now and use promo code dry heat to enter the free draft pool with ten thousand dollars in prizes up for grabs that's promo code dry heat to get a free shot at ten thousand dollars in total prizes only on DraftKings Elig eligibility restrictions apply See DraftKings.com for details. I cannot get that word down. I swear to God. Eligibility. Doing better, with, man. I'm, I'm getting there. You drinking anything? Not tonight. 
We're talking it's draft. I got I got to <laughs> pop something. So I've got Sunday. This is actually Four Peaks uh, solar powered seltzer. I got the Tropical Sunday that I'm super excited to try out on the podcast. So shout out to Josh and Trevor at Four Peaks for hooking us up. Pop them if you got them, Suns fans. And let's talk about the NBA draft proxe- pro- prospects with Brandon. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to lie. I'm somebody who thoroughly enjoys listening to the Timeline podcast. And Brandon, I saw that you were on with them uh, earlier this week. So I was like, you know what? I can't listen to it because I don't want to hear what they ask you. I don't want all that insight. I thought I'd <laughs> right here for the Suns Jam Session podcast. But Brandon, welcome for your first time ever to the Suns Jam Session. How are you doing, brother? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, appreciate the invite. And yeah, I'll probably repeat myself a little bit from the timeline uh, here and there, but I mean, the Suns are picking 29th, so it's going to be a lot of the same targets. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the turnover time is pretty short. So we're not talking about the draft for like three months, like the <laughs> yes, usual cycles yeah. just, it's pretty annoying because it just never stops. So it's kind of nice for a change uh, to just have like this, like, you know, week, week and a half turnaround. So uh, looking forward to it. So what's your background relative to re- researching prospects? Is it something that you've been doing for, you know, a long time that you picked up early on and you just like, Hey, that's my niche. I like doing that. Or is it something that, you know, you did a couple times and you realize like, Hey, I was right. Maybe I should continue to do this. Or is it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um, I would say I fully got into it like three, four drafts ago. Um, and I would say like, just, you know, riding for bright side of the sun, doing stuff for like my site and just trying to amplify it and get more coverage. I mean, I'm still obviously going to get a lot of stuff wrong. Everyone does. It's not a perfect science. I'm not one of those guys that's like going to, you know, gatekeep or whatever to like non-draft Twitter people. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just good to like measure, especially for the Suns. They've been in the lottery for so long. Um, so, yeah, it's just been something I've done on the side. And, uh, yeah. So is it weird having them pick at like 29? You're like, whoa, hold on. I'm used to looking at lottery guys, you know, and second round draft picks. Now we're at 29. Yeah, it's already hard enough to guess who Jones is going to pick when they're in the lottery. So now there's more external factors. It's like, all right, now there's like 28 teams in front of them. So uh, who knows? It's just going to make it that much more difficult. And there's more names to, to cover. So um, it's, it's a fun challenge. But, you know, it's now amplified by about 10 times uh, as far as being unlikely to like, actually get the pick right. <laughs> is there a certain amount of like actual spot on picks that you've had like the first rounds, maybe top 13, top 15, anything like that. Cause I'm pretty, I'm assuming you do a big board for all the teams, right? To where you have it laid out kind of, or do you go that specific into it? I know with bright side, you do mostly the sun stuff, but do you have the big board for the rest of the teams too? Yeah. And uh, I'd say big boards are like mostly useless, honestly, uh, unless it's like specific to a team, uh, unless you're just right? trying to like measure yourself. Yeah. It's fun. That's, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, because you could kind of measure and see like where you're at and uh, but there's just so much context in it. It's like, what are you measuring? Like instant impact, like long-term value, stuff like that. But I think team boards are probably the best way to go. So yeah, I've done a lot of like sun specific stuff, but I also keep a general board just to kind of, you know, use as a measuring tool for myself as well. Well, and I, I got to thank you again for coming on the pod because myself, like most Suns fans, 
haven't had really the time or the energy to look really deep into this draft. I think that once we all realized that we were going to be a playoff team this season, and that was probably around February or March, right when March Madness was happening, it was pretty clear that the Suns weren't going to be a playoff team. So at that time, although I watched the NBA draft, I wasn't watching it through the same lens that I normally do, where it's like, okay, uh, let me watch this point guard from Gonzaga and see what he's about because he's somebody who could potentially be somebody I'm targeting. I was just enjoying the basketball. So, you know, given your research and given your affinity for this, I got to thank you because I I don't know half of these guys' names, man. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. And I got to ask you, with names like Kaminga, Sanguin, Garuba, Kispert, Thor, and Primo, and I know I got all those wrong, does this draft feature some of the weirdest names you've ever seen on a draft board? Oh, yeah. This is the, the all-name draft for sure. Um, and you also got like nicknames like Bones Highland and Deuce McBride. So um, it doesn't stop. There's some awesome one. names. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, um, is it weird to ask that question or is it offensive? Because a lot of these people, that's that's their names. I don't know if we can really say it's weird, right? Is that... My last name is Voida. Your last yeah. name is Lissy. Lissy have, but that's just a that's a bad last name. Lissy's but we just have these are like awesome mine's books. weird, you know. So like I can accept yeah. that, you okay. know. I'll just make sure before we publish this this uh, podcast. Hey, we're, Matthew, we're live. Like, we're canceled. We've already canceled, <laughs> Matthew. I don't know if you know, know this, but we've been doing this for a long time. We've been live this whole time. I don't know if this is breaking news to you. Yeah. You know, but I've, so, got, I've gotten a few letters. Yeah, go ahead, John. I, I know. Well, they're emails. Those they, no one sends them actually to your house. Uh, so, so I'll ask you this, Brandon. What's your baseline? Like, what roster need do you think the Suns should address via the draft? So, and, and I know it's draft, a loaded question. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, so, I'd say typically in an off season, you have needs that you need to fill, and that can come obviously via trade, free agency, or draft. I personally don't think the draft you should ever draft for need unless you have like a very specific need that you want to hit. And it's just, it's a no brainer. Um, What I like to do is like, just look at the roster and your core. So like Devin Booker, DeAndre and Mikel Bridges, like who's going to fit around them the best, like in the long run. That's what I think the Suns need to focus on. And that's why Cam Johnson was, was taken by James Jones. And, um, you know, theoretically Jalen Smith, like to be determined how that works out. But, uh, yeah, I think just finding the right pieces to fit with your core long term should be the goal for a team that already has the infrastructure, like the engines that run the offense. So, uh, but for like a rebuilding team, it's you could draft like uh, a little more risky, I would say, and just take those swings because you need, you know, that main piece to to build around. But yeah, for the Suns specifically, just finding the right pieces around their their core that they have in place. And I think I think oh, go oh, ahead. No, you were thinking first, so you talk. No, I I was thinking. Um, I was actually going to ask. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into the actual positions now. Were you going to ask something before that? Because I know well, yeah, we're I, position I, by position. I was just going to say, you know, that's an interesting observation because you do sometimes see teams that draft draft for need and they don't necessarily draft for talent. And I think the Kings are a really good example of that. It's a team that's perennially in the draft because they're sitting there trying to build this squad through the draft rather than just taking kind of the best player possible. You know, they draft De'Aaron Fox one year. The next year, they've got Luka Doncic staring him at the face. And they're like, well, we'll go with Marvin Bagley. And, like, now they've become kind of that perennial uh, joke, if you will, relative to the draft. And you look at the Suns, and to your point, you know, they're drafting kind of what meets what James Jones wants and and how he takes a look at a player and evaluates a player. Because when we drafted Josh Jackson, I know this is pre-James Jones, but when you had McDonough, he took Josh Jackson. Like, he 
we had TJ Warren and we had a bunch of wings at that time, but we went that route. And then when you had, uh, you know, Cameron Johnson, obviously no one saw that coming. Jalen Smith, no one saw that coming. Uh, but again, he has a specific way that he's approaching the draft that a lot of us are blind to. But I think that's a good point. You know, you don't always have to draft for need. And I think it's important for Suns fans to hear that because a lot of people, especially, you know, at Twitter, I got to say, Twitter's dark these days, dude. I don't know if any All of you right. guys have noticed, man. It is dark. And Matthew, I know you haven't noticed because you like I stay away as it. much as I can. You're smart, so, dude. Yeah. Tell me how like, dark I just, it is, dude. I just go on and like people are fighting back and forth. Like I'll post something like, hey, yeah. CP3, you know, he, he might be coming back because he posted something today. And there's guys like Warriors fans and like people just yeah. like, man, if I ever saw you in real life, that kind of stuff, like it's really dark right now. But I think it's important for Suns fans to hear that. It's like you don't always have to draft for need. If you think that the Suns are in need of uh, a, a backup big, the draft might not be the place to go and get that. It might be a place to get somebody who you could potentially develop, but it's not necessarily the answer to the question that you're asking. And I think that's a very astute observation from Brandon. Yeah, but do you think Jalen Smith, though, that was a need, right? The backup big, was that something that James Jones was trying to hit on? Because I know we had Cameron Payne and Javon Carter coming back the year, the next year. So maybe that's why Halliburton wasn't drafted. It's like things like that. So I think last year kind of looked like a need kind of draft. Do you agree, Brandon? Or was it just the best player on their board, you think? I do agree. And, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for James Jones, but I, I think he probably thought Smith might be able to contribute a little bit sooner than he did because mm-hmm. um, they needed some help. I mean, they were down to the Frank minutes and some small ball lineups at points in, in the playoffs. And so that just shows you that Smith just wasn't ready. And that's sometimes how you can get burned by drafting for need because you're relying on a kid to come in and fill a role, uh, especially for a contender. So I think they need to look at, like, whoever they draft probably not going to play a significant role anyways year one so just take someone that's going to fit with the core like the best in the long run uh which Tyrese Halliburton would would be a name that would fit that mold um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think you just got to take it um case by case and hopefully this year they can find a diamond in the rough well that that's the end goal and I think that uh you know I think the way that we should approach this is just kind of get your thoughts on you know because again I got to thank you because your your Twitter feed and your website zonahoops.com is where I go to try to see draft things that are relative to the Suns. And those are the names that I'll look at and I'll, that's where I kind of start my research and I got to admit I tried starting research and I've been so busy outside of uh you know in the in the real world if you will. I didn't get a chance to do much research. Uh but what we could do if you know if this works for you is just essentially you know, c- come up with, you know, two guards, two wings and two bigs that you can see the Suns drafting. And then you can tell us what's appealing about these prospects, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, if that works for you. Yeah, sounds good. Fantastic. Appreciate, so let, Appreciate that as well. Yeah, of course. So let, let, let's start off with, uh, you know, your first guard that you're kind of seeing could fit within the confines of the Suns draft. So I think the obvious one is Jared Butler. Um there's a pretty good chance he, he might not drop to 29, but if he's there, like, you know, he had like the whole medical situation and he got cleared obviously. But um, if, if he's available, I think uh, the Suns need to sprint to the podium and make the, the pick as quick as possible. Um, you know, he fits like the James Jones mold. Just, you know, he's a winner, obviously national champion, uh, upperclassman. You can shoot the hell out of the ball. Uh, can play on and off the ball too. So I think just he's a really good fit and someone that I think could it's like a rare blend of like he could play right away, but he's also a good fit next to like Booker and this core uh, moving forward. And I think he has the best handle in the class, uh, super shifty and can score from like pretty much all three levels. And um, 
yeah, I just I think he's someone that probably not high high likelihood that he falls to Phoenix, but if, if he's there uh, and teams overthink the medical issue, then uh, it could be a really uh, nice pick for them. Yeah, this is a guy that that I went and I took a look at after you know, looking at your list and. Man, I really hope he falls to the Suns because he does have, you know, again, that national championship mentality playing for Baylor last season. He's somebody who is just kind of has that complete uh, uh, ball handling skill, really shifty, like you said. And I just I don't know. I, I fell in love with the highlights on this guy. Matthew, did you take a look at him? Yeah, actually, I did. Um, I liked what I saw. I mean, I, I kind of didn't ex- at first when I was watching him, I was like, I don't really get the hype, you know, because I did hear his name a lot. Um, but when I was watching him on just the highlights, really, he looked like a guy that can get to to the and and to the to the basket to the lane. Uh, he he's smaller, he's six four, but he plays bigger than that, and he's just he seems like he's been he's an improved passer too and a knockdown shooter. Um, but I liked what I saw after just going through the full 12 minute video that I, <laughs> that I watched. At first, I'm like, I don't really see it. But then towards the end, you know, it's just like it's kind of like a, a a movie you're watching. At first, you're like, I don't know. You just got to get into it, get 10 or 12 minutes into it. And then it's it's a good movie. But he he looks like legit, dude. And like you said, he's number 22 right now, predicted on uh, Kevin O'Connor's big board to go to the Lakers. So if he drops, yeah, I would definitely nab him at 29. I'll tell you this, watching the highlights of these kids in college, I mean, and Brandon, you could probably attest to this, their range is getting ridiculous, dude. Like, all these kids are chucking up threes from, like, half court and just nothing but net. Oh, yeah, the Steph Curry effect. I mean, about, you know, five years ago, just all these kids saw that, and they've been perfecting Mm -hmm. it, so it's it's crazy. And you expect them to shoot, like, over 40% right now. I feel like anything under 40, this is just something I think of. Anything under 40 is, like, I feel like not – as good obviously but it's something that you don't want to say like oh he's a he's a great three-point shooter not until he's like a 40 percent shooter do you feel the same way or because i just feel like they're all 40 percent plus now oh yeah coming out of college yeah so it depends too for like some like younger prospects i give them a little like more leeway but for like upperclassmen it needs to be close to that 40 mark for sure um i also think mm-hmm. you have to look at like the types of shots they're taking so if they're taking some crazy like Bones Island, I'll just throw that name out there right now. He's mm-hmm. he's like has crazy audacity on some of his shots that I'll pull up from like 35 feet. And he's like probably one of the best pull-up shooters, but his percent's at like 37. He's a much better shooter than that. So I think it's kind of situational, but yeah, for the most part, uh upperclassmen, especially someone like Jared Butler, like it has to be around mm-hmm. that 40% mark. Yeah, it's getting is that, a, is that your other uh, guard, Bones Highland? Uh, no, it's not. I just wanted to tie him in. Oh, so okay. That, no. I, I liked him too, actually. I just wanted to I do say like really him quick. Well. Uh, yeah. He reminded me of Barbosa, the way he plays. I don't know that that's weird, but the way he kind of hunched over and he leans forward, um, his stop and pop, are, look, they kind of look similar in a way. I know he only shoots 37%, but uh, I don't. I just think he, he reminded me of Barbosa. I just want to throw that out there <laughs> from the first look at him. Yeah, he, no, he's an awesome shooter. Like, he he could shoot off like spot ups, um, you know, coming off screens. Like he plays really well off the ball too. So someone I could see being a, a fit in Phoenix next to Booker, just he's not going to be a primary point guard, but he's someone I think could, can score and fill it up in a hurry. Yeah. Another guy who's like six foot two. Uh, so you see a lot of these, you know, kind of, Langston Galloway-esque kind of shooters, you know, and that's what they're going to contribute. Uh, what I know, well, what a lot of people, when it comes to Bones Highland, they really like him simply because of his nickname. They're like, oh, we could have sticks and bones, and they don't break our bones. And, like, it's like, okay, I get it. It's a good nickname. It's a damn good nickname. It's a gam- it's worth it. 
it, 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 is it worth it? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, if they somehow become uh, two key cogs in this offense moving forward down the line, yeah, it would be fantastic marketing for the Phoenix Suns, but I don't know if it necessarily will work. Uh, so who's your second guard who you, you see the Suns uh, potentially drafting, Brandon? Uh, so we, I mentioned him earlier, uh, Deuce McBride, Miles McBride uh, from West Virginia. He's 6'2", has a 6'9 wingspan, which is insane. Uh, really good pull-up shooter. Point of attack defense is awesome. Like he just disrupts the hell out of the ball handler and typical like Bob Huggins, West Virginia defender, just uh, really annoying, just like Javon Carter. So mm-hmm. um, I think the difference between someone like him and Javon is he's longer, a little bit more athletic, and uh, I think the pull-up shooting is a lot more advanced than it was for Carter at the same age. So um, I think think of like a longer, more athletic Javon with more shooting upside, and he's someone I could see replacing potentially like Javon and actually getting some good run off the bench. There you go. There you go. And another Mountaineer, just like Javon Carter. Yeah, Matthew. he also he he just like I like how you brought up the shooting because one thing I noticed too was he he had that turnaround jump shot that they kept bringing up in highlights to where he can he can pull that off at a six two frame so that's pretty impressive uh, no matter who really is guarding him so maybe he's one of those guards now you know how the guards like the switches to get on the big men and can really pull off that fadeaway like a Chris Paul I'm not saying that he's Chris Paul but I think a lot of the guards look for that now and the mismatches and it looks like this guy can do that yeah that for I, sure. I don't know who any of these guys are. I feel so bad. Like normally I can contribute. I'm like, yeah, you know, based on the highlights, I I didn't. You know, again, I think that this is who Kevin O'Connor currently, after today, updated his mock. I think this is who he actually had the Suns taking. Uh, and so, you know, reading through his yes, pluses and is. minuses yeah. and uh, everything that Kevin O'Connor has on the ringer, you know, I again another guy who I think when you when you get back down to the 29th pick in the draft, this is somebody somebody who potentially uh, could make an impact for the team. Uh, one guy that I wanted to bring up and get your thoughts on is the point guard. I, I did mention him, the point guard from Gonzaga. Uh, he is kind of a little bit further down on the big board for KOC. Uh, but Joel Ayayi, uh, I know yeah. it's kind of a funny name to say, but you know he's six foot five, and this kid can do a lot of things. And and I really enjoyed watching his highlight reel. Tell me what your thoughts are on him. Yeah, it's a good call. I think uh, him and Quentin Grimes are like two names that should also like be included in this list along with bones as well. There's just so many guards in the back end of the draft, but um, Ayayi is kind of like an unheralded member of Gonzaga's team. Like that was really good. He didn't get as much buzz as like Kispert or Timmy or some of those guys, but I think he was a major reason they they were as good as they were Uh, more of a combo guard than a point, I would say, but he's someone that, you know, super high IQ, excellent cutter, which I think fits right in the 0.5 system. And he could finish really well. Uh, I think 60 plus percent from two so uh he's someone that can shoot as well so i think just really well-rounded just like swiss army knife type guard that i could totally see jones liking just because he comes from a winning program and uh you know he's european as well so there's a lot of connections i could see that tie the suns to him um so yeah that's a good call there you go i'm calling it right now matthew uh that's who jones is going to pick because he's Way down on the draft board. There's no way he should be picked. At <laughs> the one 29. guy you researched. Yeah, the one guy researched. That's yes. I hope so. I'm calling it now. I like yeah. who he is. I think that you there know, looking at what man. he did. I always have said that the Suns, and again, you don't draft for need, but I think that the Suns need uh, somebody to back up Devin Booker consistently, who can you know play offense yeah. and defense from the two guard position. We haven't had that 
in a long time behind Devin Booker, if at all, throughout his career with the Suns. So that potentially could be somebody who could develop into that kind of player. All right, so let's let's move on to the wings. Uh, who are you targeting from the wing position? And uh, you know, you said the guards. It's it's more of a guard draft on the back half. Is this a wing heavy top end of draft, and then it kind of peters peters out, or is it kind of consistent throughout? Yeah, the wings. I would say like. Uh, once you get past like the big three that I call like James Jones, he'd probably take them all first if he could. If they pick first, it's uh, Corey Kispert, uh, Trey Murphy, and Chris Duarte. They're all older. They all like shoot the hell out of the ball. So they're, I think they're all going to be well off the board by the time the Suns pick. Um, and after that, it gets pretty like there's a stark drop off, I think, in wings. So it's, it's definitely uh, an area I don't think the Suns like, unless they, I mean, they could definitely reach for someone, but it, it doesn't look too likely unless one of those three fall that they're they're going to take one, but the guy I'll focus on is just Trey Murphy out of Virginia. Um, really good shooter, 50, 40, 90 club, um, six, nine, pretty athletic. And like, he's a prototype is like a three and D guy, but might have a little bit more to his bag. So it kind of reminds me of like Cam Johnson a little bit in that way, but he's just shooting up draft boards right now. So it's tough to see that being like a, a realistic option at this point. Yeah. He's going number 16, I think right now. Um, I like him a lot too. And he, he reminds me, it's a little bit of a weird comparison, but he reminds me of uh, Rose Lissy, my mom. Just He's always on the court trying to do something. My mom is she always on the move. She's always, she never sits down. This guy looks like that offense and defensive end. Uh, he's number 13 on the big board, but I think they have him going 16 right now. Uh, yeah, to the Thunder. Um, but he, I like him a lot too, and I think defensively he's he's – astounding and 44 44% from three. So that's pretty great. Um, I guess like the negatives really were uh, bad ball handling skills. Uh, who cares? And then can't create his own shot, but the things he was doing on the court, how active he is. I love that. And the cam Johnson comparison is really awesome, but it's like uh, towards the end of the year, we kind of saw how cam Johnson was kind of turning into like more of a favor over Mikhail bridges. And is, do you think he's more of like an in-between or he is just like a cam Johnson and then he'll he'll expand his game beyond what we're seeing now, of course. But is he more towards Cam Johnson or like a Mikel? Because I don't he's not really similar to Mikel, is he? Yeah, I'd say he's probably closer to, to Cam at this point, uh, especially like pre-draft, all the stuff that you just mentioned about uh not, not able, able to create for himself or like ball handling. Cam Johnson had the same like red flags, and he's really mm-hmm. gradually improved over his first two seasons as well. So yeah, um, that's kind of where I got that comp from. And like, even just like two months ago, like Murphy was viewed as like a second round guy, maybe undrafted, but just really has risen up the boards. And I think just, he must be killing it in workouts. And uh, sometimes that stuff just takes a while to catch up, like on the big boards and mock drafts, like, cause everyone just kind of copies each other. I said mm-hmm. this on the timeline, like, like once one person does it, everyone else is like, Oh, this guy actually is a legit prospect. And it just kind of trickles down across the board. So that's that's kind of one reason I think like guys like him and Duarte and even Corey Kisper have just like soared up draft boards because you know you're going to get someone that can come in and fill out a role like right away. Absolutely, and I know Corey Kispert, He's somebody I was never I wasn't overly impressed with when he played for Gonzaga. Uh, but again, what the hell do I know? Um, but it is kind of interesting to see you know the Trey Murphy comp on. Uh, the ringer is OG Ananobi, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Johnson. And it's just, you know, it's just so funny how two years ago, this everybody, who, what? And now he's getting that comp out there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, again, you're right. It's the same thing in football. Like, there'll be some quarterback you've never heard about 
who one guy thinks he's he thinks he has got you know amazing arm strength. This guy's got the best arm strength I've ever seen, and all of a sudden he's getting drafted by the Bears with like the third pick in Mitch Trubisky, and then he ends up being dog shit. So I mean, sometimes you know it, it's it's kind of hard to trust those draft boards, and we know, especially as Suns fans, how fickle drafting is. You you don't it's not a perfect science, or everybody would be great at it. And I think that when you start to look at people like Trey Murphy and you start to really delve and they, and people have the time to delve as long as they don't overthink it. I think that they really have a good opportunity to get a good prospect. I do think that that's what happened in last year's draft is we had like seven. You must have hated last year, Brandon. Oh my gosh. Because of the pandemic, you had like eight months to, to, to mess with your yeah. board. How was that? Yeah, that's why everyone is like happy that draft draft cycle ended. Uh, it was just the longest process. And I think everyone was just overthinking everything at that point. So um, I think if that, if a situation like that ever happens again, God forbid, then I'm just going to cut myself off at a date and say, I'm done. Like this is all I need to watch. I'm not going to overthink it. But yeah, it was, it was a crazy process for sure. Yeah. Matthew, we must've done like 16 different draft pods where we were just like, we were so over it by the time it happened. And then we took Jalen Smith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was one of those things where we thought we had our guys, but then he just took some, uh, we knew Jalen Smith. We, we watched yes. him. We actually yes. liked him. We just didn't yeah. think he would go that soon to the sun. Exactly. So. All right, Brandon, give us another wing. Who is another guy out there that you have your eye on for the suns? So uh, Kessler Edwards out of Pepperdine, six, eight, uh, three, maybe like a tweener, like a three slash four, uh, really good shooter, probably like one of the best team defenders, like super disruptive in the passing lanes and, uh, average over a block and steal per game. So someone I could see fit again with the Suns, like the defensive identity. Um, and again, it fits that James Jones molder. It's like a 10 pick reach or on, on most boards, he's an <laughs> upperclassman and he can shoot. So. Um, he could be like a poor man's Trey Murphy in like the back end of the first round if you're trying to get some some value. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a pretty big drop off on wings like in the Suns range specifically. Um, and mm -hmm. it's funny, uh, Joe uh, Wieskamp is right below him because he's another name that I think Jones could actually wind up reaching for possibly um, because he kind of fits the older shooter um, and just like really high IQ and both those guys, I think could play roles right away too, but it's at this point in the draft, it's all just kind of a long shot. So how wow. do you think his, uh, his jump shots going to translate to the NBA? It's a little bit awkward. I feel like every time he, when he's shooting, he's not really planted in, in the same spot. He's just kind of moving while he's shooting. So do you think it'll translate? Okay. Cause it's very awkward. Yeah, it is pretty awkward. Um, it's, the good thing about it is it's at least kind of quick. So it's not like it's taking him a ton of time to get into it um, compared to someone like a Halliburton where that was a major concern. And that's kind of why he dropped. I think that was like a major factor that no one really talked about or people talked about it. But I think that was the main reason like on draft night, he fell. Um, people weren't sure he's going to be able to you know get a shot off in the NBA. So it's definitely something that I think is a concern. And that's why he's kind of mocked in the, the second round because uh, if it was a little more clean, he'd be like a, a can't miss first round prospect for for most boards. I think just because of his skill set, just a three and D plug and play wing. Um, yeah, I think the shot's going to have to be there for him to stick because he can't really do much else other than uh, he's a really good defender. But he's someone that just kind of fits like that that mold that Jones likes to target. Well, this is great because now I'm like I'm not super excited about wings. I'm still more excited about guards. Uh, Kessler Edwards Pepperdine. The, uh, the let's see Dennis Johnson former Phoenix Suns he went Phoenix Suns guard uh, he went to Pepperdine and uh, 
Uh, get Grant, Gr- Gr- what's that guy's name, Matthew? We used to always fuck it up mm. on the pod. Grant, Grant Gundreslik. Gundreslik, guy who got busted for doing cocaine with the Suns in the 80s. He went, he, he's, <laughs> a Pepperdine, he's a Pepperdine guy, too. I just remember. <laughs> ran, <laughs> random things I remember, dude. Random things I remember. <laughs> All right, so there you go. So, okay. Now, Biggs is obviously you know the last category, but it's also something that's very fresh on a lot of Suns fans' minds. Dario Sarge goes down to the NBA Finals. We don't have the depth necessary. Jalen Smith wasn't ready for the opportunity to step in and, and fill the role that he was essentially drafted for. Uh, are there any bigs in this draft that you have your eyes on? And again, same question. Is this still a guard-heavy back end of the draft, or do, will some bigs have the opportunity to fall down to 29? Yeah, so I think in general, like right now, I'm just leaning towards drafting a guard creator and just taking that swing just because – you can go out and sign like a JaVale McGee, Nerland's Noel, or, you know. Yeah, I think we're, I think losing we're a little bit, Brandon. I think, Sorry, I think man. we're, yeah, you're beatboxing. Yeah, just hold on. Oh, okay. oh, no, I, there you go. There you go. Are we you got back? you back. All right, cool. Uh, so, so what part was I cut off at? Literally the beginning of, of the bigs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I think in general, I'm leaning more towards taking a guard just because I think bigs, like they're so um, it's especially in free agency when you can go out and sign like a JaVale McGee or like a Daniel Tice or Nerlens Noel, mm-hmm. just throwing names out there like that can fill that role that you just needed uh, right away. Whereas like taking a kid and expecting them to come in because bigs take a long time to develop. It's, it's a risky game. So mm-hmm. I prefer to kind of go against that. But if they're looking for instant impact, like Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova is a name that I think can make some sense. And he seems like a, a James Jones guy as well. Yeah, I know all this because I read your piece today on Bright Side of the Sun. And it's it's really what uh, I was like, OK, yeah, again, looking at everything that is out there. I'm not seeing a lot of guys who have the capacity to come in and create any impact. And we saw this again last year. We saw it with DeAndre Ayton. You know, his first year, uh, he obviously had the opportunity to play because he's the number one overall pick. But there was a lot of growing pains there. And we saw him work work those out in the, his second season in the NBA to where he got to the point where he's at. And he's, and he's still, I mean, just 23 last year. But it, And Matthew says it all the time. Like, he t- it takes time for these guys to actually develop. So, um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl... Uh, you know, from Villanova, another one of those programs that typically produces quality players. Um, you know, according to KOC, uh, you know, he's got the hustle, he's got the feel for the game, he's got the interior scoring. You know, he's somebody who, you know, again, though, is about six eight. You know, he's not your seven footer that a lot of people think you need to be successful. Um, Matthew, did you check out highlights on? Jeremiah Robinson Earl? No, not this guy. I do have a few though. If uh, after we finish with the next one, uh, if Brandon does a hit on him. Uh, I'll ask about him. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. Brandon, who who else do you have? Uh, so JT Thor out of Auburn's another okay. name that I think is more Thor. of a swing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, going back to the names, uh, but yeah, he's he's more of a swing and someone that um, I would I'd be on board with taking that swing for a big like that. If you're going to take one, um, you know, I'd rather do that than go sign someone like JRE, who I think has kind of limited upside, like Thor. He's like he's pretty versatile. Like it says it right there. Like he moves well for a big too. So like you, if like in a alternate universe where him and Jalen Smith both pan out, like you could. I was saying this on the timeline. You could throw out some really funky lineups with some some dudes that can move and bring the ball off the floor. Um, 
the shot's kind of like a work in progress with him, but uh, overall he seems more like a Ryan McDonough pick than a James Jones pick. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, like the thing is like at 29, it's fine to take those home run swings, I think, instead of just trying to, you know, take someone like him in the, the lottery. Um, which if you just looked at Thor's highlights, you'd say, how is this guy not in the lottery? Like he has some really high flashes that are impressive, but it's uh, still super raw and probably a couple of years away from contributing. Yeah, that's the only thing that's bad is because I would love to take this guy at number 29. He just looks fun. I mean, the defense yeah. is there, the rim protection. Uh, what I noticed, too, from just the highlights watching is he seems like he knows how to actually uh, attack the ball defensively around the rim without trying to draw contact. He can stay away from drawing the foul, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, his shot, it looks like it's it's – uh, it's in the in the works a little bit, but he does have kind of a stroke, a little bit of move sometimes it looks like, but he just looks like a fun player, man. And the defensive part of it, even filling the lanes and stuff like that, he he seems interesting. I was very excited to ask about him because I was like, if he's there and we get him, I would actually probably get out of my seat and start golf clapping for that one. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Summer League would be fine with him and, and Sticks running around doing crazy yeah. stuff. He's but. like the same size. He looks like Sticks' size, right? But just more athletic in a way. I don't know. It's weird. That's yeah. what he reminded me of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, it's it's a valid point that you can take some swings and misses because these aren't the lottery picks. So, you know, if you feel like somebody's going to fit and has the long-term opportunity to benefit the team, yeah. like, take a swing at this guy. You know, Thor, that's a great jersey, dude. Yeah, yeah the Valley jerseys would sell out immediately. Yes. Uh, yeah. but, so there you go, marketing team. Get ready. Get get on that. Uh, So we have Legend E in the chat, and he's asked a couple times, where do you think Luca Garza is going? He's from Iowa. I think he's probably more of like a late second-round type pick for a team that's just looking for like a backup big. Um, I think the defensive issues with him are uh, pretty stark. Like they're going to make teams like think twice about making him like the hub of like an offense just because – uh, you know, he's, he can't really guard in space, but offensively, he's awesome. Uh, he dominated the college game, and uh, there's a reason, like, Iowa was as good as they were for, you know, every year he was there. Um, but to me, he seems more like just a really good college player, um, possibly someone that could go overseas and, like, dominate. But, like, the NBA spacing, I think, would get to him. Um, but, yeah, I think he's more of a, a second-round pick. But it wouldn't shock me if James Jones wanted to take him, uh, you know, at 29, just because he fits, like, the whole – BPM model that draft Twitter thinks they've discovered like, uh, you know, James Jones's formula to make the picks. Yes. So it's like Jared <laughs> Butler's in that group, uh, Luca Garza, a few others, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's more of a second round guy though. Yeah. What about someone just brought up really quick, uh, Kai Jones. I, he'll have to fall. Now I think he's uh, going number 20 right now. Um, but he looks fun. I mean, he looks like a guy that's a rim runner that can really just, uh, you know, get on the glass, uh, do a lot. there. very athletic. Uh, I don't know. You think he has a chance of falling maybe <laughs> to the Suns? I, I think he'll probably be gone before then. Yeah. Um, but he's sort of similar like JG Thor in the sense if you just watch his highlights, like he looks like an animal. And yes, I think he's a little more he refined than him. So a little safer. Uh, it's still a gamble with Kai Jones, I think, but uh, it's a little bit safer with him. I think he's a little more polished. Uh, but yeah, he'd be an awesome fit. And I think someone that once he's like actualized that can fit that role that they actually really need right now, especially in the buck series, just another body yeah. throughout Giannis or like Bobby Portis or whoever it was. But uh, yeah, so I think he'd be an awesome fit. It's just tough to see him dropping. We need to put somebody on uh, Pat Connington, get him to stop all those fucking rebounds. <laughs> uh, all right. We saw, yeah. we saw. 
Matthew, you got another uh, question? I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have brought up the Bucks. It's too soon. I know now. it's just like it's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> Jeez, you know, I actually was listening to Rosillo today. He had a Bobby Portis on. That was I turned it off halfway through. I'm like, I can't stand this. But uh, yeah, so next question. Um, so last year's draft, we brought up Halliburton. Um, you know, that was a tough one to watch go by. So is there a player where if he's there? And I'm not saying like it's a steal really, but if he's just sitting there and the Suns just pass on him, are you going to be like super upset, maybe throw something and just say, hey, the Suns blew it this draft? Uh, I don't think so, just because it's the 29th pick. So it, I think okay. there's less <laughs> at stake. But if Jared Butler was there and they pass on him, then I'd, I'd be a little upset. That's the guy. Okay. Um, okay. So it's not, I agree. It's, it would right. probably be more like medical related. So maybe there'd be something like behind the scenes that we don't know with him, but you know, for me, if there's someone that drops, that's like a no brainer. Like I just have to see what the board looks like before declaring I'd throw something. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there's pretty good chance. Like I think they're going to get someone pretty solid. I like this range of the draft. So um, hopefully there's no throwing of the remotes or anything like that. Cool. <laughs> I got to say like my remote survived the NBA finals. So it would definitely re- survive the 29th pick in the NBA draft this year. So, you know, I'll ask you this question because this is a, a solid one that, you know, we always are talking about, do the Suns trade the pick and should they trade the pick? I, I don't think they will, but if the right deal comes along, I think they should. Like I, I especially you have Chris Paul on your team and I mean, by all means, he's going to resign at this point. It's no secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think trying to build a, a winner any way possible, like as soon as you can, like adding pieces that can help right away should be the goal. Um, obviously, there's more risk because you traded your 2022 pick. So, you know, there is some value in having those cheap contracts on the end of the bench that can fill out a role like what Cam Johnson's doing right now. So um, I think, you know, Larry Nance Jr. is one name I really like. Like if, you know, the Cavs yes. want to take on Sarge's contract and just gain an asset like the 29th pick or maybe a future pick or Jalen Smith or something like that, then I say you go for it. Um, but, you know, it also depends on who's on the board too. So I think it could be a situation where the Suns – could uh you know just kind of just play it by ear yeah and kind of you know the goal is to see what the interest is in that pick at that time and they won't know that until thursday evening when the draft is occurring because as those prospects if they start to drop if some of those big names start to drop and some of those other teams want to get in and get an opportunity to take some of those players maybe we could ditch uh ditch (laughs) dish sarge uh and and get something with that pick force another asset that could ultimately help this team um Matthew, you got one last question before we bounce? Yeah. Um, so just overall NBA teams, uh, do you see a team making a lot of trades? I know the Thunder, usually they're the team to make a lot of moves. Is there one maybe that you think can make a lot of moves, trade away their assets? Who knows? Do you see anybody moving up? I think it's going to be the Thunder again. Uh, for yeah, sure. <laughs> just nonstop they, Thunder they every six, year. Yeah, they have six picks this year. So, I mean, uh, they're going to be wheeling and dealing. It could They could actually be a trade partner with the Suns if they want to like say there's two guys on the board, the Suns like in the mid thirties and they have the 34th and 36 picks and the Thunder want to move up. That could be an option. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think they're going to be super active. The Warriors look out for them. They have two picks in the lottery there. I think they're going to be taking a swing, you know, Steph and clay, they're going to try to go for one last run. So um, wouldn't shock me if they made a blockbuster deal and the Raptors is the third team that kind of sticks out to Mm -hmm. me. Just, uh, you know, I could see them just, taking a direction finally and either blowing it up or possibly re- retooling. So they're, they're another team that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings with, you know, Golden State and Toronto, but yeah, OKC, 
I think for the next like 10 drafts, they're just going to be in the middle of everything. So yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you have Orlando with the five and Orlando with the eight. Do you think they try to package anything and move up and take a shot? Maybe I like Evan Mobley is a great player, but I feel like Orlando has like 37 centers. So I guess they want to go for him. But could you see them trying to do anything or does it just suck to be an Orlando Magic fan? Yeah, so I could see them making a deal. Like I, I think either trading like one of their picks with a player, maybe for like something more immediate. It seems like they're they're just kind of stuck in like purgatory like for so long. So uh, I think they need to make a move one way or the other. Like trading up for even Jalen Green or like someone like that mm-hmm. could be something they could do. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of options for them, and uh, they have some contract situations coming up too that they're gonna have to answer. So. That's a team I'm, I'm not, I don't envy their GM. He has a lot of stuff going on right now. So yeah, uh, true. yeah that's a good call. They're an interesting team to watch. Is the NBA draft more exciting for you than the Super Bowl, given how much time and effort you put into the NBA draft process? More exciting? No. Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> like there's been some pretty bad Super Bowls. So it's, <laughs> it's dependent on the Super Bowl. Um, if it's a fun Super Bowl, then no. But like if it's a boring Super Bowl and it's like a, a draft, like, I know the Suns are going to be involved, like heavily involved in then. But yeah, because I think the NBA offseason in general, like in, in some parts is like more fun than the regular season. It is. Like yeah. Just, just the offseason, like the Woj bombs, you know, just like refreshing your phone, just seeing if Shams tweeted something and uh, yeah. the excitement behind it. I think there's nothing like it. So if uh, speaking of Woj bombs during the draft, what is like the one like Bradley Beal? What's the one player that you can see just popping up? Like, oh, he's traded yeah, a couple picks you know, given to the other team and given to the Wizards and Bradley Bill is now traded to what team? Do you think like something like that will happen? And if so, do you know what, do you think what, do you know what player maybe will be moving? I'll just go on a limb and just say something crazy. Uh, Dame to Golden State. Oh, okay. it's going to happen, right? That's just fine. something weird. Like, I don't know, like something weird is going to happen. So I'm just going to shoot my shot. If I'm wrong, it's gonna be I'm gonna forget about it. It's going to be not, You guys can clip this. Uh, Yes. I look like a genius, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, it's it's easy because Golden State always does something like that, right? You think they're done, yeah. and then another big trade, another big name. Yeah, him or Beal will probably end up on Golden State this offseason. That sucks, yeah. but it's probably every, gonna happen. Every year, but the year when they you know they wanted or the Suns were trying to dish them Amari Stoudemire for the Steph Curry pick. Every year they do something spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> you know, two yeah. again, yeah. too soon. You know, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'll, I'll I'll throw mine out there. I think Kyle Lowry, you know, with the Raptors and everything, I think Kyle Lowry, something's gonna happen there. I just feel yeah. like they're right there. They're on the precipice of something. So that's what I'm thinking. Matthew, mm-hmm. Aaron Baines. No, actually, I was thinking Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, Ooh. but maybe not draft night. But I think there's going to be a big trade. I think Ben Simmons. He's not coming back next year to the Sixers. No, there's no isn't. way. And maybe they can do something in the draft. I don't know. I doubt it. But I just I keep thinking about him coming up as one of the first players to be traded. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Too. Yeah, Westbrook. Another another asset. There. So I mean, again, that's that's what's fun about this time of year, especially considering it's condensed once again, like last season. And you know, as Brandon said, like you know, with the Woj bombs, with the refreshing your thing, your, your feed, just getting ready for all this excitement. It is fun because it's kind of like NBA 2K. You know, that's the fun part about 2K. We we like to play the video game, but I think the you know I, I can't speak for you guys, but whenever I play, like I spend most of my time like in the off season or during the season, like trading and setting up trades and getting everything ready because that's the fun yeah. part. That's creating. You're creating a new team, and then you hope that that team takes uh, flight and does great things. Um, Brandon, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast. Can you let all of the Jamsters know where they can read you, follow you, uh, hang out with you on the weekends, 
uh, watch the Super Bowl with you, all that good stuff. Yeah, so you can just find my work at zonahoops.com. Have a ton of drafts up there. Obviously, have some bright side of the sun uh, draft primers coming up too. Um, and yeah, just follow me on Twitter, uh, zonahoops underscore. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been it's been fun. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they do because this will be. I'm, I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick of the whole James Jones guy like saying. So I'm hoping he just does something that just like end that and just does something crazy like takes JT Thor or something. Yeah, I was gonna say there you go, Thor. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just do something normal. And and we appreciate you again being on. I know we're not nearly as as uh, cool as the timeline guys, but you know we have a good time. We like to party. So uh, Matthew, you got anything else before we bounce? Uh, what what are we doing for the draft? Are we what gonna we go doing? live? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Want to see how the draft goes, and then maybe we can hop on after. Maybe an emergency pod after. You never know. Or maybe we do it during, like ten. Mm, well, the ringers, the ringers doing something during that I kind of want to watch. Okay, well then go. we'll do that, guys. So we'll I'm do sorry. That. We'll go live afterwards. This is how right. we. This is how we produce things. Well, uh, <laughs> on that note, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out. If you're watching along live on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button. Please subscribe. If you're listening uh, on the pod feed, please subscribe there as well. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, Everybody have a fantastic evening. We'll see you on Thursday, potentially, unless Matthew is too busy watching Kevin O'Connor talk about, you know, freaking sugs or something. But Matthew, (laughs) got anything else? No, everyone go home and love your family. Take care, everybody.